We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry guys it's literally just you against the projection they also allow mixed sports entry so for example you can take the over on lebron parlay with the under on mahomes they've got college sports pro sports literally anything and everything you can think of they have got it over at prize pick they also have a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play they're rated 4.8 stars in the app store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. College baseball season nears. We once again bring on good friend of the show, Mike Rooney of D1Baseball.com, a college baseball analyst and one of the best in the business to do it. Mike, what's going on, my man? Appreciate you taking the time. It's crazy to think opening day is nearly here yet again. Congrats, man. It's finally here. 
Yeah, frightening, right? <laughs> there's a there's a lot of work to do, be be done before February 16th, but it is um you know it's awesome. It's like t- to be perfectly honest, I'm not not even letting my brain go to February 16th because there's you know I've got three more conference previews to write and it's uh you know digesting a lot of information. It's super fun, but um yeah, you, it's it's shocking how quickly the season has jumped on us. So, Mike, let's go ahead and dive into it. And obviously going to spend a lot of time talking the SEC. But I first want to start with number one ranked Wake Forest in the preseason D1Baseball.com top 25. You know, I thought what was really interesting, Mike, about last year is LSU was the number one team. And they went wire to wire. Like, I, it felt like all year long, you knew in baseball, right, anything can happen. But it was always, hey, if LSU's playing their best, they're the best team. Do you guys look at Wake Forest in that way? Is there that team that's kind of clear-cut? If they play their best, they're going to be the clear-cut champions? Or do you see more of a – there's not as wide a gap at the top, if you will, between, say, one, two, three, four, et cetera? Yeah, I think think this year it's more more compact. You know, like, if you think about LSU last year – you know, having Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz on the same team is kind of nuts, right? It's like you have two Golden Spikes award winners on the same team. I mean, two generational talents. And and even with that said, I mean, it's pretty incredible to think of, like, L- L- you're, you're correct in saying that LSU pretty much went wire to wire, and I think we all perceive that. But, you know, there was a good month at the end where Wake Forest was the clear-cut number one because, you know, LSU went eight and seven down the stretch. And, you know, in fairness to LSU, first of all, you're carrying that number one bullseye on your back the whole year. And then think about the pitchers LSU lost last year. You lose Garrett Edwards, your best reliever, or what you thought was your best reliever. He was really good. You lost Grant Taylor, who was going to be in the weekend rotation. And you lost Chase Shores, who at worst was going to be your Tuesday guy. I mean, if you asked Jay Johnson last February how many innings those three kids were going to give him, I bet you he would have said 200. And those two, those three kids are done, and they still go on and win the whole thing. So, I, I think it's more wide open this year. Uh, you know, Wake. The, here's the difference: Wake Forest this year has really, they've got incredible star power. I just don't know that they could handle injuries like LSU could. I, Wake Forest has to stay healthy. I think um, LSU didn't have to stay healthy last year. Now, Mike, I was able to tune in to the D1 Baseball Top 25 podcast you guys did where you went team by team, broke it down, gave your three key players, if you will, what have you. I want to ask you specifically, though, whether it's a team that just missed the cut for the Top 25, whether it's a team you felt like was overrated, underrated. Be honest, where was your biggest disagreement when it came to the Top 25 that you guys published? Oh man, you know, it's, I, I was saying to those guys on the podcast the other night, like the, we did the 26 through 40 podcast and I'm like, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if somebody saw our WhatsApp chat, they might call the cops, right? Like it gets heated in that puppy. And, you know, and, and, and I say that kiddingly, but you know, it's, I, I'm a West coast guy, not growing up, but I coached out here and I think it's going to be a really good year on the West coast, but I just I couldn't figure out who the second best team in the Pac-12 was besides Oregon State. And so by, by definition, when there's a lack of clarity, teams slide down. And, you know, we had three teams on the West Coast ranked out of 25. We had Santa Barbara, UCLA, and we had Oregon State. I was uncomfortable with that. You know, like, hey, we fought. We, we went round and round about Northeastern 
And we caught a lot of slack for ranking Northeastern. I would tell anybody, though, like I was one of those original doubters. But I'm telling you, the more you research Northeastern, I mean, it feels like Stony Brook version 2.0. It's it's an old team. They had five kids with double-digit homers. They had five kids with double-digit steals. They won 45 games last year. I mean, their head coach is Mike Glavin. It's not like, you know, some guy that doesn't know anything about baseball. I mean, they've been good for they've been to three NCAA tournaments in the last several years. So anyway, um, you know, Auburn, we man, that was like a fist fight leaving Auburn out. You know, South Carolina, they were in, they were out, they were in, they were out. Um, you can imagine as you get down to the end there, CP, it's like you're just going round and round and you're punch drunk and it's really a fun exercise. But um man, it is so hard to pick 25 teams when you feel like in your heart of heart there are 50 teams that could get to Omaha. Yeah, Mike, I don't necessarily envy you guys in that process. I think back to last year, I mean, what Illinois State, right, that went to the Supers, they had to travel to TCU. Indiana State, yeah, Indiana State. Indiana State, excuse me. The Sycamores, if I recall correctly. Yes. That's a great trivia question. What's the mascot of Indiana State? Larry Bird, man, Larry Bird you. There you go, exactly. It's But I say that to say, though, like it's it's I really respect the heck out of what you guys do because – this isn't football, right, where it's kind of just your power five schools, blue bloods. Like, a team like Indiana State, a team like Northeastern can make a run, and you have to account for them when you're talking top 25 best ball clubs. Yeah, and we didn't – We you know, Indiana State, we – Kendall made that point in our group chat the other day. He said, you know, we really kind of boned it on Indiana State this year. Like, they did lose their top two starters, and that's a real thing. And they lost their assistant coach, Brian Smiley, now the head coach at Miami of Ohio, and we didn't put them in our top 40. And, you know, that was a super regional team last year with a ton of dudes back. I mean, a their whole position player group's back. But at the same time, you, you know how this goes, Chris. It's like you're just looking for anything that's uncertain in the preseason becomes a reason to slide a team down. That's really what preseason rankings are, is they are – it's like picking stocks. You're wagering on – certainty you're you're clinging for certainty and um you know it, it's it's so interesting I say that though and five of our top 25 teams made it to Omaha last year right it's like it, it, it's not you're gonna you're gonna have some big whiffs but you're not you know you're not totally on on cough syrup either you know it's 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 really an interesting exercise uh, Mike I'm sitting here thinking we could spend the entire show just talking about the top 25 and the science of it if you will with Oof. what you guys do let me ask you this, just based off of what you notice, I'm not exactly sure how much time you spend on social media necessarily, but I, I see you guys joking all the time. I hate your team. We hate mm -hmm. your team. Which fan base do you guys feel like you catch the most flack from on a daily basis? Ooh, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> um, and is it an SEC fan base? Well, the SEC fan, it, it is It is the SEC fan default. basis, plural. Yeah, yeah no question, because they're the um, – you know, I would say like the I'd say that the, the 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 most controversial ranking this year was Northeastern. But I'm glad we did it. Like, I, I feel very strongly about them now. You know, like we could poke holes in them, too. But I, I thought that was fun to rank them. You know, ironically enough, because you and I are talking tonight, South Carolina fans are that's a that's a very um, it's a high volume fan base, which is awesome. Like. South Carolina loves college baseball. I think that should be celebrated. Um, but, you know, like they were, they were, um, 
not happy about being ranked 25th. And it's interesting, like if if I'm pulling back the curtain, there were iterations of these rankings where South Carolina was not ranked. So I can only imagine what that reaction was going to be like. But, you know, at the end of the day, South Carolina has an incredible offense that you can really bet on. They've got major, major question marks on the mound, in my opinion. And so, but we wagered on the offense. But I, I'd say the South Carolina fan base was passionate, but I thought that was great. You know, like that that, that fan base was, um, you know, it, it, what a roller coaster ride for them last year. And uh, like, I, I would have been disappointed if the South Carolina fans weren't more vocal, to be honest. Mike, on that note, let's jump to the top of the rankings first. We'll get more into South Carolina later. I want to start with the top five. And oh, by the way, six of the top nine in the rankings from the SEC. So the league mm-hmm. is going to be as good as ever this year. Let's start with the top five, though. Two, three, four. You guys have Florida, Arkansas, LSU. Just speak on those three teams for just a moment because I think you look at Florida, it, it's a group of bashers led by Jack Caglione. Arkansas's pitching staff is electric. And LSU, I mean, they lose Skeens and Cruz, but they got talent everywhere, right? Elite talent all across the board. So what do you like about those three teams? What are your questions about those three teams? And certainly those are three that we could see in Omaha uh, later this summer, if you will. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think with Florida, where we ended up with conviction is we couldn't decide what we liked best about them in a positive way. Like, I actually like their position player group. I'm more skeptical of their pitchers. But then, like, you know, Kendall and Joe Healy might say, hey, I, I love their pitching. I'm I'm worried about losing Wyatt Langford, you know? And so... Um, I, you know, I think for Florida, they're going to hit a million home runs. They are so physical. They are crazy physical. Um, you know, Jack Caglione's probably going to be the Sunday guy because that helps him be a two-way player. And so, you know, it, it, for me, Caglione's town on the mound is, you know, I it's jarring how talented he is. But he did, you know, walk the entire stadium in the national championship game. You know, it's like so – uh, but I I wouldn't be shocked to see him very improved. I just I think Florida is just so talented, and you know, getting Colby Shelton from Alabama, he's going to play short. You know, that's a little bit of a question mark, but it's also a kid that hit 25 home runs as a freshman, so you know he can hit. Whether he can handle short or not will be interesting. And um, so Florida is just very good. You know, like it's just a very good roster. Um, it's a very trustable brand. You know, Arkansas, I think. The position player group is a little uncertain. You know, like we love Kendall Diggs. It's you're you're, you're they're making a, a heavy wager on a lot of transfer bats filling in right away. But Arkansas's pitching is it could be the best pitching staff in the country. You know, Hagan Smith, um, Will McIntyre is going to go from weekend starter to Tuesday guy, high leverage reliever on the weekend. I mean. You know, it's it's Brady Tigard, and they got Mason Molina was the Friday night guy at Texas Tech. He's going to be the Sunday guy at Arkansas. So I think Arkansas, again, it's a brand you can trust. You know they're going to be good. Um, they've been doing this transfer thing for a while, and their pitching is just outrageous. And that takes you to LSU where, you know, it's it's different this year, right? Like the position player group for LSU, I think, is um, – it, it's uncertain, right? Like they've lost, they lost some really key people, but their pitching seems amazing. You know, like um, Thatcher Hurd looks like he's ready for another jump. Gage jump, a transfer. Luke Holman, a transfer. 
Cam Johnson, the freshman, the highest-ranked freshman to make it to campus. So LSU should be really good on the mound. And, you know, again, they lose Wes Johnson, their pitching coach. So who do they get? Nate Yeske, right? It's just like everything is plug-and-play at LSU. So, yeah, I mean, we we were – again, sorry to be so verbose, Chris, but we went round and round and round for number two. I mean, we 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 had iterations of these rankings where – LSU was two, Florida was two, Arkansas was two. We probably spent three hours talking about that permutation right there. Mike, how long before the faithful in Gainesville are overreacting to losing a silly midweek game? I feel like that's Florida tradition, right, to, to blow a game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday early in the year. Well, and, and that, the one thing, uh, you're bringing up a good point, CP, that you know if you look at Florida's schedule this year, it is very difficult. They, I would argue they play tougher midweeks than anybody in the SEC. I'm kind of just throwing that out there. Somebody could fact check me, but I, I don't think anybody plays better midweeks than, than Florida. Maybe Georgia, I guess. But um, And, and then they're going to go to Miami. They got to go to Arkansas. They got to go to Vandy. Um, you know, Florida's schedule is going to be hellacious. Arkansas schedule is more doable. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I will say this, though. Florida's fan base, since they've gotten the new stadium, seems much improved. I mean, it was almost like McKeithen just beat you into misery. You know, his sun-baked aluminum. Uh, the new place is gorgeous. And, and you know, those crowds for the Super Regional were unreal. So let me ask you this, Mike. Would you be willing to go on record and say Florida best lineup in the SEC and Arkansas best pitching staff? Is it that simple? And if not, who do you think are the lineups and staffs that could challenge those two? Ooh, good question. Hadn't haven't haven't processed it that way, but let's take some wild guesses. Like when I think best pitching staff in the SEC, the two schools that are jumping right into my brain are Arkansas and Vandy. Um, and now the best offense in the SEC, boy, that gets to be a crowded conversation. A and M's offense is going to be really, really good. In Montgomery. Um, yeah, Montgomery, they've got a, a freshman, Gavin Grahovic from California, that's like, a, you know, Pat Burrell, like, a, you know, like one of those physical right-handed hitters from California that just was, you know, a lot of buzz around him in the fall. Um, so I really like Florida's offense. I really like Tennessee's offense. I really like South Carolina's offense. I really like A&M's offense. Um, so pitching wise, I mean, I think LSU, Arkansas, and Vandy are jumping out to me. Offensively, Florida, Tennessee, A and M, um, and I just mentioned someone that I'm already slipping on. But I mean, there's there's a lot of good offenses in the league, that's for sure. Tennessee, yeah. And, and Mike, on that note, like I mentioned, uh, rounding out the top ten or top nine, if you will, Vandy, Texas A and M, Tennessee. Those teams are six, eight, and nine. Uh, Thoughts on those three teams? I mean, again, I think for Vandy, my big question is can they hit enough to support the pitching staff? You mentioned A&M as well, Jim Schlossnagel trying to get the Aggies back to Omaha, which I, I think it's interesting. It's almost like A&M's like that forgotten team because I don't know if you really think of – you think more Texas than Texas A&M, to be fair, when you think of college baseball, but they've got a really good program. And then Tennessee, Mike, I really think it's a matter of when, not if, Tony Vitello wins a college world series. Like, I, I just – He's one of the best in the game. They're going to swing it. The, the way he's improved the talent there and stockpiled is just wildly impressive. So um, your, your thoughts on those three, those that kind of next wave of SEC teams rounding up the top nine. Yeah, I mean, Vandy, it starts with the pitching. And, and I think 
we're we're all guilty of this. We're probably too harsh on their position player group. I mean, Vandy is a team that last year with a lot of the same position players, you know, and, and, you know, Enrique Bradfield's gone, but he had a down year. He had his worst year of his three years last year. And, you know, and I get it. His worst year is a good year. I, I'm not, you know, like that's clearly the case, but you know, Vandy, you've still got Carter Holton and you've got Futrell and the Duquesneish kid looks like he's going to be healthy this year. I mean, they just have so many arms. They've got this Ethan McElvain, you know, Chris McElvain's younger brother. He's up to 97 in the fall as a freshman left-hander. So we know Vandy's going to pitch. I just think we got to remind ourselves on Vandy. We none of us liked their position player group last year, and they won 23 SEC games if you include the, the Hoover, and they were the number six national seed. So I get it; like it's not one of the sexier position player groups in the SEC, but those are good players that were heavily recruited. I I I think Vandy is a team that could win it all. No, none of us are going to mention them in that vein, but they they've got the they've got the talent to do that. You know, A&M, the offense is outrageous. Jace LaViolette could be the player of the year in the country this year. Like, this is a six-foot-six center fielder. And again, that I didn't misspeak there. It's a six-foot-six center fielder who hits left-handed, who could go 20 home runs, 30 steals, you know, like th- this. And and he's got Braden Montgomery and now this Gavin Grohovic kid and a bunch of other players back. I mean, A&M's position player group is gnarly. Will they pitch enough? You know, like that's a big question mark for me. And then Tennessee's a little bit of the opposite. They just crush the portal. They're so offensive. I mean, there's so many good players in their lineup. The question marks for Tennessee is who's going to, you know, who's the pitching staff outside of Drew Beam? I actually think they will pitch just fine. My my real concern on Tennessee is defense. I just don't know that they're going to play very good defense. But, you know, if I'm being honest, LSU didn't play awesome defense last year, and they won the national title. So, um, you know, defense can get a little overrated, especially by people like me. But Tennessee's team is you're, – you're not – like, if you're trying to get 27 outs against Tennessee this year, you're going to have your hands full. Yeah, Mike, small ball and defense seems like a thing of the past when you're talking about 500-foot home runs and guys throwing 100 miles an hour. So it's just the nature of the game now. Looking, Mike, at the rest of the SEC, you guys have Bama at 19, South Carolina at 25, teams that just missed the cut, teams like Auburn, which I know their fan base was wondering where they were. It seems like they just overachieve every single year. Uh, Kentucky, Ole Miss, maybe Mississippi State can bounce back. Of those that I mentioned, right, because those teams, the six in the top nine, very obvious Omaha expectations, Omaha caliber talent. The rest of the SEC, who would be that team or maybe two teams you're looking at is, hey, these are real big-time sleepers that could overachieve that could end up in Omaha and be that type of club this year? Well, I think like Alabama was controversial for us, but we just feel like the upside is outrageous. You know, like, I mean, the, the pitching staff, Ben Hess, Aiden Moza, Riley Quick, and Alton Davis, like those four dudes – if they're healthy, could pitch Alabama to Omaha. I mean, those are four power arms, high draft pick. I mean, Aiden Moses got a slider with like a 56% whiff rate, which is the, you know, the average is 33%. You know, and Hess and Quick are these monstrous kids, like six five physical right-handers. And Alton Davis is a lefty throwing 95. Now, I get it. New coach, Rob Vaughn, we think very highly of him. It's a brand-new position player group. But Alabama's pitching 
could be just like suffocate you type of stuff. Um, you know, you could go, we don't know what to do with the Mississippi schools, right? We think both of them are massively improved. They have a wide range of outcomes. Uh, you know, Kentucky had, a you know, this beautiful team last year with a unique style. I actually think Kentucky is better on paper this year, but I, you know, like, I don't know, like, can they do it? And, and, um, but the roster is inspiring. And, you know, you mentioned Auburn. The thing about Auburn is they've, in the last five years, they've been to four regionals, three super regionals, and two Omahas. And yet here we are again, doubting them. You know, we, we said that, like, we're going to hate ourselves for this probably. It's just there's enough question marks on the mound. You know, like Joseph Gonzalez basically barely, didn't pitch last year. And, you know, he didn't pitch this fall. You know, they're kind of ramping him up late to try and save him for the season. And can Chase also throw enough strikes? And, you know, it's just you kind of go on and on with that. And it's like, um, I, you know, you don't know. You don't, you, you don't know what to make of Auburn's pitching, but you know that they're going to probably figure it out. So I think those are when you kind of said like that next tier, you know, we talked about South Carolina already. Those are the teams that jump out for me. I, I just I think right now the teams that we probably believe in the least are Georgia and Mizzou, but they have new coaching staffs with a lot of energy. You know, they were active in the portal. Um, I don't think they're just going to be down, down, down this year. I don't know, man. Th- this is it's going to be. I think the SEC is going to be wild this year. To that point, Mike, it's just crazy to think how deep the league is. I mean, you look at last year, the two teams that missed the conference tournament were the previous two national champions in Ole Miss and Mississippi State, which goes to really just show again the depth of the league. And that that was what I wanted to ask you. You just mentioned Georgia-Mizzou, and it's, you know, I, I'm not asking you to, to, to open the door for a fan base to come down your neck or whatever, but, like, somebody's got to have a bad year. Like, like somebody's right. going to have a bad year in conference play. It seems most likely it's going to be Georgia and Missouri, right? I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, your take on what the bottom of the league will look like. Again, it's it's so deep, and I'm not asking you necessarily to pile on, but I mean, we yeah. got to be realistic here. Like, somebody's going to have to lose some games and lose some series. Yeah, like, I, like if I was a Georgia – I'll couch it this way. Like, if I was a Georgia baseball fan or a Mizzou baseball fan, I'd be pumped. You know, like – Carrick Jackson for Mizzou feels like a perfect hire. And him to have Tim Jamison come back as his pitching coach. Coach Jay is a wizard with pitchers. And, you know, there's just – Carrick Jackson was an assistant coach in the SEC at Mizzou. He knows what it looks like. He's not going to be spooked by the level of play in the league. Um, I I love what's going on at Mizzou. George is the same way. Like, I think, you know, Wes Johnson was a pitching coach in the big leagues five minutes ago. And – you know, won a national title last year and was coaching in the national championship game in Arkansas in 2018. I love the staff that Wes Johnson put together. The The challenge for those two things, those two programs are, I just don't think their rosters in 2024 are ready for what the rest of the league has to offer. I, I love the blueprints of what they're attempting to do. I just don't think their rosters are fully baked out for that yet. Um, and you know, you know how this goes in this league when you're down and the sharks smell blood in the water, it can get pretty ugly, pretty fast. And I'm not saying that's, what's going to happen to Georgia or Mizzou, but there's no easing your way 
up the ladder in this league. Like you, it's crabs in a bucket. Like you better go grab people and pull them down and switch spots with them. And I just, I don't, I think that would be an unfair expectation for Georgia and Mizzou, quite honestly. Uh, Mike, speaking of competition in the SEC, it's going to get even bigger and better next year when Texas and Oklahoma join the league. Your thoughts on that and just excitement level. Again, you guys talk the entire country when it comes to college baseball, but certainly focus on the SEC. And, I mean, it's it's going to be even more fun and even wilder next year with those two programs joining the league. Yeah, I mean, just the talent level is going to be out, out incredible, you know. And it's, you know, like part of me – this is interesting – CP, like part of me is disappointed because I feel like, you know, something that still really means a lot to me is regular season championships. And and the SEC has the best regular season in our sport. It's 10 straight weekends, no bye weeks, none of that stuff. 10 straight weeks and have at it. And and what I don't love about the expansion is that you're going to crown a regular season champion who didn't play five of the 16 teams. And so that's a bummer. Now, that's that's me being negative. Now, let me be positive. Can you imagine the level of talent in this league when you add Texas and Oklahoma? I mean, Oklahoma played for the national title two years ago. Texas has been to Omaha a ton. I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's already crazy. And you're just adding, you know, more craziness. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be wild. I, I don't know. I think the, the biggest thing I think about a 16-team SEC is – what is this even going to look like for the NCAA tournament? Like what, like for me right now, there was Arizona got in the tournament last year at 12 and 18, and I'm not taking a shot at Arizona's team, but I just, I'm just not a believer in that. Like if you go 12 and 18 in your conference, to me, that feels like you should not be an NCAA tournament team. Now that said, I totally understand why the the committee did that last year, but I also have to be honest with myself and say, Maybe 12 and 18 is not so bad anymore when you think about a 16-team SEC that's adding Texas and Oklahoma. So I think the short answer to your question, Chris, is it's we're going to all have to kind of recalibrate ourselves. I, I don't know what kind of – this is going to be nutty, um, but it, it, it's probably the funnest kind of nutty we could have, and, and so I guess we should just buckle our chin straps. Mike Rooney at D1Baseball.com. Mike, last one, and I'll get you out of here, and a fun one to end it. Let's get outside of the SEC. Of the mid-majors in the top 25, I look at East Carolina. I look at UC Santa Barbara. I look at Northeastern. Or maybe it doesn't have to be one in the top 25. If a mid-major were to win the College World Series like Coastal Carolina did eight years ago, who would it be? Who would be your pick? Who would be your favorite to make that unprecedented run? I love the teams you mentioned. I think I, would, I think it's a matter of time for Cliff Goblin and ECU gets to Omaha. I, I actually picked it. I'm like, you know what? I'm speaking into yeah. existence. I'd love to see it. So so I did the opposite this year, Chris. I keep picking them, and I feel like I've jinxed them. So I actually – I have some really good friends that are ECU fans that I'll go on their podcast in a couple of weeks, and I actually told them I'm, I'm picking ECU to not go to Omaha this year. Like, I'm picking against them. And maybe that will get them over the hump. But they have a really good team. I mean, you saw we have them ranked in the top 12. I mean, we really like their team. Very balanced team. Um, I will tell you this. I think if you're asking me who's Coastal Carolina 2016 in 2024, it's either Irvine or Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara might have the best pitching staff in the country. And I know I just rattled off those great pitching staffs. Santa Barbara's pitching staff is just nutty. It's so good. Um, 
Irvine has every position. They have every at back bat from last year, every single at bat plus their shortstop returns from injury. Um, I love Irvine's team. The other two teams I'll give you is Iowa and Indiana and the big 10. I know they're technically not mid majors. Both are absolutely capable of Omaha. Mike, it's always a pleasure, my friend. I know that when we chat, college baseball is close, and I always thoroughly enjoy our conversations, my friend. Enjoy the baseball season. We'll chat with you again soon. We'll catch up, and y'all keep up the great work. Thanks, CP. Good to talk to you. 